coming up on this episode of Whiskey Wednesday. I was driving my partner, it was an overtime shift, picking yeah. an overtime shift, just helping out with like bars and stuff. And um, we're just driving away like, we're just going to the next call, I yeah. guess. Like we just have to handle this call. And that person you're on the next call with is screaming at you, yelling at you, and then or whatever. What you just did. And they have no idea that you just got shot at. And you're still yeah. processing that. Like they have no idea. Hey Christian, thanks for joining us on Whiskey Wednesday, man. No problem. So dude, it's pretty simple. We uh, drink some delicious whiskey today. We got some Woodford Reserve. We share cool stories and, you know, I know you outside of kind of the show. I know you personally and I think you got, oh man, did I have hand in my glass? You so more much. than me. It's not fair. Jeez, you guests always should get a little bit more. There you oh, go. That is a heavy pour. There you go, dude. Um, but, you know, we were talking offline and I know you got this probably really cool perspective and I don't think a lot of people get to see being that you've hit close to your two-year mark on with uh, a police department and you're from what I gathered when we had our talk last week you're noticing the change in your perspective and how you view a lot of things and I think that'd be a cool thing to share but before we kind of get into that do you mind just sharing how you kind of got your start in law enforcement why you picked a PD and yeah and we'll go from there with some stories mm -hmm. so on, before we start dude Cheers to you. Cheers to you. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. It's always good, dude. It's always good. Uh, so I was um, probably like everybody else, just getting out of high school, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, I was in flight school through Liberty University. Uh, to be like a pilot? Yeah. I was in oh, you picked the wrong job? I was in flight school through Liberty uh, I was getting a degree in aviation, and uh, I was flying out of an airport in Vacaville, um, but it was getting pretty expensive. It's very expensive to yeah. fly. So I uh, decided I wanted to start, like, my career, and I was kind of between military or law enforcement and uh, tried military, um, but the uh, I was already flying. It's a long story, but I was already flying. I had uh, an FAA doctor already sign off, like saying my eyes were good to fly. And I've been flying for like a year and a half at this point. And um, a, an eye doctor at Beale Air Force Base said that like my eyes weren't deemed to fly. What? It was a big deal. Like between that and uh, like the recruiters were trying to get me to get another eye test. And I, I just said, like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'll just try something else. So I started uh, working. I was working at uh, Home Depot and Lowe's for a little bit, um, trying to figure Both out. Both of them? Uh, I was working at Home Depot, and then uh, I was promoted to a manager at Home Depot, and then Lowe's offered me more money, so I went over to Lowe's for a little bit. Lowe's is where it's at, man. Home Depot's a little bit better, actually. I don't think yeah. so. Customer service is all about. Well, Home Depot does better, so. They, um, do, they do much better at allowing people to steal their products and walk out the store, so I will give them that. <laughs> So, uh, I, I, I wanted to do something that like, uh, to me was like a, a service to my country. I, I consider myself extremely patriotic. So I want to do something for my country. Um, and I kind of had a sour taste in my mouth about the whole military thing. So, um, law enforcement was something that's always interested me serving my community. And, um, 
like honestly it, it it just it seemed like a cool job it seemed like something that was very uh like masculine mm-hmm. and seemed very uh like kind of like a, a strong thing for a guy to do um and i wanted to do something i was proud of uh at, regardless of the pay and like i don't care what i get paid as long as like i can go home and i'm proud of the job that i do and um that's why i wanted to get in law enforcement so uh, applied to a couple agencies looking all over Northern California. Um, and, uh, I got picked up by an agency, uh, and yeah, I just started PD, working. right? Yeah. It's a, it's a city. Um, so, so I have to deal with different politics than a sheriff's department has yeah. to deal with. So, so you just went based off of whoever's going to pick you up. You didn't at the time, you knew you wanted to do sheriff or PD and you just, whoever's going to take you first, you're going to jump all in. Mm-hmm. Cool. I had a pretty similar story, man. Um, I, same way out of high school, didn't know what I wanted to do, tried college, didn't work out. Couldn't handle school, couldn't handle just continuing on with having to do math, science, history, chemistry, all that stuff over again. I was like, I just did this my whole life. I want to get into something new. And knowing I had to do like two years of general ed and pay for it, I was like, no, I'm done. Uh, so I applied for multiple agencies across California when I turned 21 and didn't get picked up. So at 23, I enlisted into the Air Force and did security forces, did that for four years, basically military police, rolled right out, uh, landed a job as uh, um, sheriff's deputy in Northern California. So you know my story, but roughly 10 years combined, a little over 10 years combined of total law enforcement. Um, I've worked like top secret teams in the military and doing... Um, like flyway missions, and then have done patrol, SWAT, uh, field training, mental health crisis units across everything. So I got like a, a 10 year perspective on on my view of law enforcement versus your like two years. So it's kind of cool to see the difference of where you're at and remembering where I where was you were and at. everything. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, you can see like kind of like your side of like growing into law enforcement and your side of like growing and like seeing the different perspective and the changes. And yeah, I remember being there. Like when it, I remember being there when there was kind of like that mental shift, kind of like when you're like all into it and you're, you're seeing how your perspective in the way you, you handle challenges and face adversity, um, changes and then kind of how it, it, it shapes with the way society yeah. changes and you kind of quickly have to ebb and flow between all that and still know that, in, you know, no matter what the world's view is on law enforcement, I'm doing what's like, I'm here to serve my community. So if I hear them when I go on a call saying one thing, I'm, I'm, I'm here to serve them. Um, so I'm gonna do the best I can for the person who called Or for the scene, I just kind of sometimes just roll into. Um, And that can be as easy or as crazy as anybody can imagine. Um, So I think that's that's really cool. But two years on, right? Mm -hmm. I know people always ask like, oh, what's the most crazy thing you've ever done? What's the most exciting thing you've ever done? Um, Are there, I want to just know, are there any positive or negative standout calls that just resonate in your head. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the job, I, I think, is more negative and that it is positive. That's why a lot of guys get salty over yeah. 
you know. Well, no one calls the cops for their best day. No, it, nobody hey, calls. Hey, it's got a promotion at work. Just want to let you know. Yeah, nobody calls nine one one when they're having a good day. Yeah, and so when you show up, you you have to be that positive for them, um, which is cool. Uh, you you have that effect and that um, that opportunity to be uh, that positive to somebody's really bad day. Um, so there, but there. Back to your question about if there's any standout calls that are that are negative um or positive or positive of course <laughs> um one that's negative that still sticks with me um probably the most is i wasn't even on duty i was off duty um going into work um and i was driving down uh, a freeway and uh i observed a wrong way driver mm-hmm. um I was going south on said freeway, uh, and the driver was in the southbound lane going northbound. And uh, the driver of the wrong way vehicle ended up hitting uh, a cop uh, who was behind me. Um, and I uh, I called it in prior to that, though. Called in that there was a wrong way driver on that freeway. Um, description of the vehicle and everything and then when i'm pulling into my station i'm just hearing lights and sirens and like like as you know there's different types of like code runs and you could just hear the the tires screeching for this one so i was like there's not something that's good something must have really bad happened they're all going towards that freeway yeah so uh get in and uh i was in training and my fto i was getting out of training i was it's like during like our shadow week era like where you're shattering Last out. couple of weeks where you're being followed by a senior officer. You're handling the calls. Yeah. You're handling the calls, but uh, they're just watching, they're just watching no to make input, sure. No nothing. No input. They're just watching you, making sure that you're, you're good to go out. And uh, I'm running in and he's like, we got to go out there now. And I go out there and I tell him like, hey, I called this in. And he was like, we're going to the hospital now then. The hospital that this hospital is going to. The officer ended up uh, dying. Um, I had the DA call me that night and got a full statement over the phone. Um, and uh, the, um, sorry, not the DA. The DA did end up calling me, but this was a, a, a um, officer in that jurisdiction that had called me for a full statement because I my phone number was still on yeah. the 911 call. So got a full statement and uh, the the driver was super, super drunk and on sleepy meds and just ended up uh, killing that officer. So that's the one that probably sticks with me the most and that bothered me the most because it's like I, I constantly replayed in my head like what I could have done different to prevent that. Like could I have made – the car wasn't going that fast. I did have to swerve out of the number one lane but to not hit him. Um, but like could I have slowed down and turned my hazards on to make sure he didn't hit? Like my brain's going through all different scenarios to like prevent that from happening. But – Ultimately, there's nothing that you can do to prevent. So, in situations like that, like your your brain wants to come up with a different situation, but in reality, like you did what you could, and that's that's it. And yeah, it's a sad reality. But um, so that officer worked for a different agency, not mine, uh, but his wife worked for uh, our agency, and um, that like I see her on a weekly basis, yeah. and I. I don't know if she knows, but it's it's like every time I see her, it's just like this gut wrenching feeling in my gut that's like like either she's upset or yeah, and that's what's like 
that hits me every time I see her. It's like, just brings back everything. It's a good thing you've kind of come to terms with. There's really not a whole lot could have done different. Yeah. Because when we sit and dwell on that, I mean, that's what can mess people up. Emotionally, PTSD rolls in all that stuff. I think that there's like the two sides to your brain that you have like this logical side and an emotional side. And the logical side in those trauma situations knows that like you did what you could do in that situation given what you had. Like you just did what you could. But then the emotional side wants to like find a better outcome so that you're not sad, that you're not having this like replay in your head. And that emotional side is what just causes this spin of like replaying it all. We don't work in the same jurisdiction. You're no. PDM, deputy. We're pretty spread out, but and I remember like hearing about that one. Yeah. And it wasn't for you. Uh, I remember because when I was in field training, I had a similar call, but I wasn't the guy on the freeway or making the phone call. I showed up after and it was my sergeant for my night shift was in the number one lane. And for some reason he decided to change lanes into the number two lane and he was going westbound on a freeway or no, he was going eastbound on a freeway and he passed the car in the number one lane, not like he went to go around him. He just, you know, cruising, just made his change, ended up passing this car and then seconds after he passed the car, a set of headlights went right by him and his thought was, did did that seriously just happened was a car going eastbound in the westbound lane and before he even finished that thought there's a head-on collision he put out and i was the first on scene with my field training officer so it was like taking the photos uh starting the coroner's report doing all that stuff um and it was tough like that i it's funny man you say that call sticks with you this one sticks with me and i was just telling my wife about it like I remember the phones ringing in the cars for the people. And then I remember having to go do the notification for the one person in our county that we had to obviously pass on the one for the other person who lived it, resided in another county, had nothing to do with alcohol, nothing to do with drugs. It was just uh, an elderly person thought that they had turned onto a frontage road that paralleled the freeway, but they turned onto the exit ramp of the wrong of a freeway and went the wrong way. And what do they do when they get on? I didn't know this till this call. They go right into the number one lane because when you pass cars, you know, head to head, you're always passing on the driver's side. So they'll naturally go to the number one lane. So if you're driving at night, which has happened on a night shift, always ride in the number two because you never know. Freak accident. This gal had no idea that she she turned one turn too early. Yeah, I try to always drive right in the middle. Yeah. Right in the middle of the freeway. So if you have more opportunity to my, move. My county only has a two. <laughs> Just drive right in the middle. Yeah. Right in between the I'd two. split the lanes. Split them. Oh, <laughs> Mike Phil. Yeah, it, uh, it's crazy, man. There's so many calls that, that stick with us. Um, and everybody's different. Like uh, one call, we could be on the same call, and one call will... Uh, affect me and not affect you at all. Like you're like, it doesn't bother me at all. And it could bother me like a lot. And then the next one uh, could bother you a lot. And I'm like, it doesn't bother me at all. Like it, every, everybody's different. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Cause like one, you could walk away from and you're just like, that was intense. And the other person's like, what are you talking about? Like that wasn't that bad. Yeah. But then the next one you go to that guy who said that wasn't that bad may not even be saying anything, but it's really bothering him. 
and you're like, it doesn't bother you at all. So yeah, it's perspective. It's always like where you're standing, what you see, um, which is kind of where we always go in twos, right? Because you're not going to see everything, and maybe your partner sees something. So if the if, if you know the person you're talking to is is going to go one way, I mean, it could be bad in two ways, right? It could be bad to where maybe they're going to get ready to fight. Or it could go bad as you're like, you're reading their face. You're like, oh my gosh, this person's about to have a breakdown. Like I got to go from law enforcement hat to maybe therapist hat real therapist quick. Hat. Or maybe like friend or like just to counsel. And you're just like being throwing them on real quick and then just like being there for the person. I've had, I mean, I've had so many times where I'm on a call and the person, something that they called about, we show up and then all of a sudden we're there and it's like now emotions, I can just let it all go. And we're all of a sudden like, yeah. hugging someone we're like what's going on and they're to console me like thank you for being here and then they tell us what happened and we're like okay like let's work through this now mm-hmm. or it's you roll up and then you're all up, like oh this is a nothing call you yeah. you're walking up to your party your partner all of a sudden sees something and, and the fight could just be on mm-hmm. absolutely those split second decisions man anything stand out like super positive uh honestly like the the positive things are 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 the the little things i think um are the uh like those calls that you go to that are like the shootings and the stabbings and they're like their worst days and you're that little bit of light or you you and your partner are like hey dude it's it's going to be okay or like um you, you put a tourniquet on somebody and it's saving their life or you're doing CPR and it's saving their life. Um, but in terms of like, like super, super positives, um, I don't know if I've had a call that stood out to me yet. That's like, hmm, that's like really positive. Yeah. Not that I can think of I off mean, the top of my head at least. But I mean, you brought up a good point, the little things. And I think that that's important to share with even people that aren't in this job that we we should all look at this, the little things as being positives, like the friend who's always there, the the person who's always got your back, the, you know, the friend that just like stopped by. I was like, hey, I brought food over because I figured you need a meal or, hey, let's grab a beer or whatever it is. And, and people need to start looking at those as positive because there's so much, we see it all the time, there's so much negative out there that it's like, don't forget that with all the negative, there's probably like a hundred tiny little positive thing that's, that's happened that day. 100%. That you're gonna forget about because that one big because negative, a big thing, negative thing in that day overshadow it. Absolutely. Um, for me, man, mine was crazy, um, and it it wasn't positive right away. I didn't know about it for years later. Um, like I got, I was fresh off of training, so I was by myself, and I got sent to a domestic disturbance and the call came out like a, a mother and daughter in an argument. And I roll up to the call and there's a, a young lady standing outside and I just figured, you know, by the tears in her eyes, this is probably the daughter. So I roll over my car and I talk to her and she tells me she's just been in this screaming match with her mom. And so I talk to her and I get her statement. I go, before I even get to the door, mom and boyfriend are coming out yelling at me saying everything that she says. I mean, they were the yelling wasn't directed at me. They're just still pissed off at the situation. So I calm them down. I get to talking to mom, and there's just been animosity between her and her daughter for a long time. 
daughter's in high school. She's like a freshman or a sophomore. And so my resolution, you know, no crime happened. I said, hey, how about I take your daughter to school? I'll drop her off. I pass it on my way here, give you guys a break, and then you can come back to it at the end of the day. And everybody agreed that was the best course of action just to give them some air. So I drive her to school, drop her off, talk to the principal, find out she's late all the time. And I figure it's probably because of the the life that she goes home to. And I just like, hey, if you can cut her a break, like this is, it got bad enough for me to show up. So I'm just asking if you just cut her a break today. It's It's been a rough morning, I can see. And I won't, didn't tell them, you know, what she and her mom disclosed me, but I was like, it, it's been really difficult at her house. And I left and I didn't know anything else that happened. Fast forward, I think it's like two years and I got reassigned from patrol and I had to work in our court system. So I'm sitting in court. As a bailiff? As a bailiff. And my court this day had nothing going on. So I I was sent over to our, our juvenile court and I'm watching the bailiff work. So just in case that person gets sick, I can relieve them. If my court didn't have anything going on, I could continue to have a job to do while I'm there. Um, so I'm just going through kind of how to do this job and look at the names of the juveniles being called. And they're like, oh, it's a great day because this is like pre-adoption. And and so this juvenile, I worked in family law, so they go from pre-adoption to adoption. And this name pops up. I was like, that's a, a one-of-a-kind name. Like, you don't hear it that much. And, and it was a girl's name that I talked to like two years before. And she's in juvenile court. I'm like, oh, man. And first thing that came to my mind was argument with mom, tardiness in school, like all these things are negative. So I was like, this girl's probably in trouble. And I, I said that to my partner and the court clerk was like, no, she's amazing. Like, this is a really good day for her. And you're about to see why, like, this girl is our, like one of our favorites that's come through. And I was like, oh, kind of wonder what's going on. Um. And she comes in and it's her pre-adoption. And I'm like, what do you mean pre-adoption? So I started doing like a little bit of research um, through like our system to see kind of what happened after. I, I ended up generating a report about a nothing. Like there's no crime committed, but I, I was always told by a mentor of mine that if I ever handled the call where I, I transported or did anything with a juvenile, I should just document it. So I documented this call. There's an argument between a mother and a daughter. I sent it off to CPS. So I found that report and saw it got sent to CPS and then it went like a different direction. And so after the the, K, the, the little like thing ended where nothing dramatic like really happened and she left, I didn't get a chance to talk to her. The clerk told me like, oh man, she did like a huge change and she's getting adopted. So what do you mean she's getting adopted? So I'm working family law the next week, that court, she comes in to be adopted by a new family. And I'm like, hey, I don't know if you remember me. And she recognize me. She's like, you're the cop that started all of this. And I was like, what do you mean started all this? She said, the day I, I picked her up from the argument and took her to school, she came back from school and her mom left. Her mom packed up the whole house and was gone. The report I wrote got to CPS. So when CPS called her, she was able to say like, I don't have a home. Like my mom's gone. I don't know where she is. No number, no nothing. And she got adopted by this awesome family. She turned her grades around. She was like a BA student, like she was doing really well. Um, 
she looks like a 14, 15 year old girl. Or when I met her, she looked like she was dressing to try and be like an 18 to 21 year old girl, like way too much makeup, um, wrong, wrong outfit for how young she was. Um, and it blew my mind, like to see, she was like, she's like, I'm getting adopted today. Everybody, when we do an adoption, everybody's, the only people allowed in the courtroom are who the, uh, the family and the person being adopted allow in. And she was like, I have every single person here from the CPS person who started everything, uh, the person that helped me find a family to be adopted to, the agency person helped me from the adoption agency. She was like, you were the last person who I just didn't know. And I just happened to be at work that day. And she was like, I actually want to do a photo with everybody, with the judge. Everybody's a part of it. She's like, this has like completed everything for me. That was like the biggest impact. I was like, how do you beat a call like this? Like a nothing report turned into this girl likes huge bummer that things didn't work out with her and her mom, but she was so happy. But she was still able to turn her life around. Yeah. And so happy with where she was going. And the family I was adopting her had like kids that were a couple years older than her. Like they were all welcoming, loved her, already treated her like a daughter, were super excited about it. And so was she. I mean, it, it, it blew my mind. And it's like a story that most cops don't get to share because everybody wants to talk about, have you ever been in a pursuit? Have you ever like got shot at? Have you ever shot somebody? Like, what's what's the craziest thing you've seen? I'm like, mm-hmm. there's a lot more to it than yeah. Just that. I could. I mean, you you know, two years on now, like you could say you could talk to somebody who hasn't been into it and be like, yeah, I just went to this like average call and talk about it like it's an everyday thing. It blow, it blow the mind. mind of yeah the normal person. Be like, you see that on a daily basis. It's like, yes. <laughs> and that's what's kind of crazy. Like you're in this perspective now where. You're starting to see this new normal of what you see every day versus two years ago, what you would see every day. And like an example of that is like, uh, like you come home and wife's like, how was your day? And you're like, oh, it was good. It was a normal day. Like nothing too crazy. And then like, she said, well, like, tell me about it. And then you like, just talk about each call. She's like, that's a normal day. Like that, yeah. that's your normal day. Like, yeah, that's normal. Like. How was your night? Oh, it was fine. Like, it was normal. What happened? Oh, we got in pursuit. Guy, like, foot bailed and a little bit of a fight and, you know, restroom took him to jail. It's a normal day. It's yeah. Like, that's normal. Like, yeah, it wasn't crazy. Like, like he didn't, like, try to, like, stab me or anything. Like, it wasn't crazy. Like, it was just normal. It wasn't that crazy of a fight, you know. Just yeah, exactly. Just punches were thrown back and forth. <laughs> exactly. And we got him in handcuffs. Like, it's like. Yeah, like, and it's. Most adults don't get in a fight when they go to work. Most adults don't think about. Most adults don't. Like, I'm going to get in a fight. I could get in a fight when I stop this car or mm-hmm. go out with this guy just on the side of the road. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's crazy. It's crazy that, like, the new normal becomes interesting. And, like, talking back about, like, what you were just saying, um, I was just kind of, like, trying to think of, like, why don't positives stand out to you? And I think it's because it might be, like, when you sign up for the job, you sign up to do positive things. You sign up to be that positive. And... Positive happens a lot, but positive doesn't stand out to you for some reason. Like, I don't know why it doesn't like that one stands out to you. Cause I think it was like a years later thing. You're like, this yeah. is crazy. This is like, this was years in the making. I obviously haven't had something like that yet. Where like, you know, and it's I could, an abnormal I could, positive thing. I could, I, I, I could have something, you know, two years from now where it's like, Hey, you know, four years ago you did this for me and it changed my life. And it's yeah. like, well, like, that's crazy. But like, those small things, like you do those small things often, like you wrote a report, small things, right? Like just, it didn't take you much it wasn't time. Even a sm- it was like a, uh, 
like required thing. Yeah. Just, it's just, I just did my job. You just, you just were doing your job. You're like, I signed up for this. I signed up to like, you know, make these CPS notifications. Like I'm going to, I'm going to like take a little extra step. I'll write a quick little report, just cover like what I did and what happened. And that little thing to you didn't stand out to you until, you know, later it like popped up. You're like, whoa, that's crazy that that helped. And it's like, we do those little things so much and we don't, those don't stand out to us. Cause we're just like, oh, I'm just doing my job. Like, like, uh, I don't even like the examples like are endless of like, we go to help people and, and we help people a lot, but they don't stand out to us. Cause we're just like, I, I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was just, yeah. I was just doing my job. Like, I don't know. I like the, the aspect of like all this positive, like what, what's positive that stands out to you. It's like, and it's not even to like be prideful or toot your own horn. Like, you're just like, I'm not trying to do anything crazy. I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm this great person. I do all these positive things for so many people. It's like, no, I'm just doing my job. Like I'm just out there. I'm just, I signed up for this. I signed up to help people. I get a call for service. I go there and I do the best that I can to help them. And there's a lot of positive, but then those things that you show up to and it's like a shooting and a stabbing or it's a, uh, somebody dies or, you know, it's, it's a homicide or it's something crazy. Those are the ones that stand out to you. Cause it's like the world is so corrupt that you don't even realize it. And that's what stands out to you is that yeah. the other aspect is the positive that you're like, I'm just doing my job. And that doesn't yeah. stand out to you. You're like, I'm just doing my job. The, the, the stuff that stands out to you is like, this world is so evil and you don't even realize it. Yeah. It's like going back to like people call 911 for their worst day and you can kind of measure the person based on the 911 call. Oh my and God. So yeah. you have like it. You can tell if it's legit or not just by reading well, the call. And, and it's hard to, to remember the positives when you get like a 911 call and you get there, like you read it before you get there because we all get the dispatch notes and it's like, mom's having trouble getting her son to school and they call 911 and you're like, what? Why am I getting called this? What do you call this for? Mm -hmm. This isn't an emergency. Like roommates. I mean, we show up and we handle the call anyways. Like we do our best to try and. Roommates are in an argument. Yeah. Roommates. Yeah. And you're like, what? They what owe me money and they're not <laughs> like paying up on their rent or whatever. And you're like, I mean, you're like this. You go there. You called 911. Like you just question. You called 911 for this? Like this is your, your emergency level to call 911, which is crazy. I mean, we. I, you know, like I do, we go to those and we handle them mm -hmm. just like every other call. But then you get the, those calls, like you said, where they're different. You're driving the wheels off the car to get there. You're like, this is uh, like everything I'm reading in this call and the inflection I'm hearing in the dispatcher's voice, this is a different call. Mm -hmm. This is like, Absolutely. this is the, the kind of like 10% that we prepare for, though 90% of our job is like doesn't nothing hit that level. Yeah. This is the 10%. This is go time. Like we're going all out to this call. Mm -hmm. And I, dude, I just, I find it so interesting and also so entertaining. Um, but I think those are so many factors as why we can easily miss the like, and why, and also why not just us, but so many people miss the positive impact. I think law enforcement actually has mm -hmm. on society. It's just kind of like, we're looked at is so bad right now with everything that's going on. But, and I agree there's, a, there's people making dumb decisions, but it happens in every career. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're, we're working in a career where when you make that really dumb decision, you're going to be held to the fire for it. Oh, 100%. And, and I, 
I don't even blame that, you know, like we're, we're in a profession that we should be held to a high standard. Yeah, and we, we should. We, we shouldn't be making those dumb decisions. Um, and the background, the, the, I'll tell you this background checks that we don't everybody. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 good job. no, no, no. But the, the, the answer is not defunding. No. Like that's, and that's, that's not where I was going at all. No, I know. I know. I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying that like our, our country's ask like response to negative situations, like we need to defund them. Like that's ridiculous. We need to cut officers, cut out like funding. And what that's going to go down to is cutting out training and cutting out time and cutting out more officers. And it's like, that's not at all. That's what's going to help. Yeah. You need to fund more, fund more training. Cause if you defund, you're going to limit law enforcement's response and then crime's going to go absolutely crazy. And then the society is going to realize, okay, we actually need cops, but then you're going to pay for cops again. And then you're not going to have training and it's just going to be situations like, like Memphis. And it's like, you have officers out there that are Memphis, doing a job. Minneapolis, all this stuff. Right? Officers that are doing the job, but they're not doing it, uh, under a standard like California, Florida, New York have, a, a board that oversees the standards yeah. of training and it's like well it's it, like there's a standard that that everybody knows that it should be held to but then they're going out and they're just performing subpar and it's not all the officers in those agencies it's not all the officers across the united states it's it's literally like i think there's a statistic that well, i forget who put it out but it was like it was less than one percent of your any person's contact with law enforcement will be a bad contact. So that means like 99 point something percent of contacts would be great or fine. I would say great, but fine. Nobody has a great contact with law enforcement, right? No. I've pulled people that's over just... just for, it's like, oh, I just got me. I'm like, oh man, that person's tail lights out and it's night. Like that's a pretty big deal. Not planning on sighting him, but it's like, hey, I just want, oh, pulling you over because I want to let you know your, your driver's side tail lights out. And they've burst into tears before I get up to the car. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, hey, let's yeah, go. It's like, not a big deep deal. Breath, like, this is low-level contact. I'm not going to lie. I'll start my car, and I'll pull my truck out of the driveway. I didn't look at my brake lights before I left. I don't check all my lights. But my job is to, like, enforce a lot. Not only I want to enforce it, but I want to let them know, like, hey, this is courtesy. Like, this is how I can tell you. I'm going to pull you over real quick. Sorry if I, like, mm -hmm. made you a little bit late, but your taillight's out. I don't want you to, you know, get ticketed or get in a ton of trouble, but... This is what I need from you is I just need you to fix it. And if you know, now yeah. you can say if you get pulled over later, you can say, hey, I just got stopped. And I know, sorry, I'm I'm literally on my way to here and then I'm going to get fixed. Yeah, and I'll go get it fixed. How else do they know? But they go to the worst because it's just the nature of the beast right now. Um, and I, I don't think I'm on the same page with you. I think if anything, defunding is a, a negative thing. And I think big picture, we look at it, big lens that defunding is going to cause more harm. Oh, right now we're looking at such a tight lens, like, oh, the like cops are so bad, they're so corrupt, we need to defund them. Like, tight lens, yeah, but let's look at the big picture of what happens with that. Big picture, that's going to cause a ripple effect that, like, it would take decades if to fix. If we put a little bit of money into, you know, giving agencies a few more, like, backgrounds, detectives, a few, a few more areas where they can weed out maybe some of the people that they could possibly weed out during the hiring process, or money into training so Absolutely. when they go to like calls where it's like i'm i mean you go to calls where it's a split second decision where it's like i'm either going to be on the news or i'm going home and everybody's fine at the end of this and you don't know which way you're going and you have 
you have less than a snap to figure it out. It's like, if you have I'm more trained to be prepared for that, you're not even going to be thinking about and, the negatives because you're going to know I did everything within my training. And and this is even controversial for California, so hopefully I don't upset anybody. But it's too late. Did you you wear a badge so you? Upset. I'm already upsetting people. <laughs> so, I mean, we can talk about training in California. Um, let's talk about post and post training. Post training is considered what some of the highest in the country. Mm-hmm. How much time in the academy did you spend batoning a bag? We did uh, quite a few for my academy and. Have you ever batoned somebody? No. It's like I think we had imagine the amount of time. Imagine the amount of time that you could have taken batoning a bag to taking it to the job. Like, like I have never batoned somebody, and I never plan to. I'm not saying that that's something that like I wouldn't have to do. You get you so you definitely get circumstances where somebody's high on PCP and they just don't feel pain. Yeah. And you get them in a twist lock. Like I've been on a call where a guy uh, took a knife and stabbed an officer in the head. And the fight was on, and don't ask me why that guy wasn't, like, shot, because if you stab an officer, that's, like, that's lethal force at that point. Yeah. Regardless of opinions on, like, well, by law, that could kill you. a knife is a weapon that can kill you, and that is lethal force. That guy didn't die, but the fight was on, and uh, the officer that got stabbed in the head uh, broke the suspect's arm. Um, uh, he was just high on meth out of his mind. Yeah. Uh, super high. And the officer was fighting him and put him in a shoulder lock and was bending his arm to get compliance. And when bending his arm, his forearm snapped. Um, and those are the situations that like a baton could be useful is like, is is you have somebody who doesn't feel pain. Yeah. They just don't feel pain well, and they're so high out of their mind that, that, they, that there's no compliance with just a normal twist lock. Yeah. Um, but in, in reality of 99% of the job, you're at 99.9. I mean, you're never going to use a baton. Like in the academy, I never was trained how to call a pursuit or call a foot pursuit, call a perimeter. And I've done those things way more than I've ever batoned somebody. And it's like, why don't we? So I think there's some things that, I mean, we, we learned that in the academy, but I think there's some things that maybe they should go over a little bit more, but they just don't have a lot of time, but you will learn on the job. I mean, we shoot our guns a lot. I haven't shot anybody. Yeah, I pull my gun a lot, but I'm just saying like- But we that's need, one thing I want to be proficient We need on. to be proficient at it. So when I think that maybe the baton wasn't the greatest example, because if we're going to pull, pull a tool out of our tool belt that can cause that much pain, we need to know how to use No, I'm it. not saying not to like not train baton. I'm just saying like, yes, absolutely. We should be proficient how to use a tool in our belt. And we need to train that. If we have the tool in our belt, we need to train it. Absolutely. That's not what I, I the aspect that I was saying is, is it's crazy that we'll train something that we've never used, but then we won't train things that we use on a daily basis. Yeah. And I think that's the tough thing is like, I, you probably went to an academy more like directed towards your agency. And I went to an academy that was like a hub where many agencies would place candidates mm-hmm. into. And we'd have PD, sheriffs, all all coming in. Not each, each one's different, right? So like mm-hmm. you, your backup could be two to five minutes away uh-huh. where I'll be on a call and there's times where I know my backup's 45 minutes 45 away. 45 minutes out. And I'm by myself 
potentially contacting a dude that wants to fight or who's not going along with the program. Or maybe I just got called and I showed up and the mere fact that the sheriff's car is in his driveway is causing him to lose his mind. Mm -hmm. I haven't even said a word yet and I'm already I'm already in, in a verbal altercation that I didn't even start. He's uncooperative and you're yeah. back up 45 minutes out. And I'm already asking for backup because I don't know where it's going to go. Um, so I think that it's tough. I mean, California, all from Northern California to Southern California, it's so different. Oh, Depending 100%. on where you work, that it's kind of hard for these agencies to figure out what's needed because Post has those basic requirements and and they have to meet those basic requirements. And then it's usually like the agency I went to, we go above Post. And I know the agency you work to goes above Post. Well but above it's, post. it's kind of one of those things where it's like, once you're in, you kind of get in, you get a your feet wet with the world of law enforcement and your training officers and your agency is like, okay, we're going to like take everything, you know, and we are, it's a great foundation, solid foundation, but now it's time to build off of it. And Absolutely. the thing that's tough is it's like, and that's what I was saying. You got to build as a person, you got to build off your foundation fast. Cause if you don't build fast enough, you're not going to cut it in law enforcement. Oh, 100%. And I think that from, from my perspective, my angle, and I'm, I'm just, dude, I'm a nobody, man. I'm not, I'm just a, basically a beat cop who's worked a couple different positions inside I'm, my I'm agency. I'm even lower than that. We, you know, it, it's all going to depend on on the people within the agency and what they pour into you. Absolutely. And then what you take from that. So if, if you come in thinking, you know, I was the top dude in the academy, I was the number one physical athlete, I, or I scored the best on my test, I know how to be a cop. No, you don't. You don't know until you go out there because you could get the same call from the same person taken from two different dispatchers, formulate a different idea of how you're going to handle that call, then get on the call, and it'd be totally different than anything you were having. Oh, yeah. Like, you'll go to a call, and you're like, this is not at all what was on the yeah. test of the call. <laughs> you can go to a burglary, clear that call, go to a burglary the second time, it'll be a totally different call. You're like, this is... This is insane. Like, this just blew way out of proportion. Mm -hmm. Or this was not at all what was in the call, and this is totally different, and yep. this should have been blown to the max because I need, like, everybody here. Last night I went to a call that was a burglary in progress. Based on the text of the call, it was a burglary in progress, which you would think is a code three run. Like, lights and sirens, like, that's what, like, a normal person, a normal person in society, if they did a ride along with, with, a cop would be like, We're, we need to go code to that. Somebody's breaking into somebody's house. But you're like reading it, you pull up the history of the house, and you're like, I don't think it's a, a legit bird. And you get there, and it's a roommate dispute. It's not. A, yeah. And that's what it was. It was it was a burglary in progress per the text of the call, but I was just like, it's not. It's It, it just doesn't read that way. And you get there, but it doesn't read that way to a cop. But then you, you, you get a, a citizen that reads it, and they're like, no, that, somebody's breaking into their house right now. We need to get yeah. code three. And you get there, and you're like, no, it was a roommate dispute. Like, it, it was not a, a bird. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I, I would encourage, man, I would encourage anybody, whether they're pro-law enforcement or not, I don't care what side of the fence you sit on. They do ride-alongs. You oh, should at absolutely. least ride with them, even if you only get a four-hour shift. Yeah. And to see kind of what they handle because it's easy to Monday morning quarterback. And do a ride-along in the area that you live in. 
Yeah, and you kind of get only a in, taste for it. Like if if you live in uh, the nice suburbs of LA, you don't need to go do like a ride along in Compton. Do a ride along yeah. in your area to get a feel for how the cops in your area have to deal with the job. Yeah. And it's just that it, it would just change the person's view of law enforcement tremendously. Yeah, like, and then and then I think it humanizes the person behind the badge. Oh, when so many times I feel like we're looked at as like you're not Christian, you're not a husband, you're not. Uh, you no, know. if I'm in uniform, I'm none of those you're things. You're just a cop, and that's it. You're just a batch. I'm not a husband, a father, yeah. a, a, a son. Like I'm just no, a batch. You, like you're you're like almost like a robot to people. Yeah. You're just you get to see like, like an entity of the government. I mean, dude, I've been on calls where, like, we clear it, go around the corner, and it's just like me or my partner break down, just with what we had to deal with, what we saw. You don't get to show that to the person. Have you ever seen? Have you have you heard of NF? Don't fill it up all the way just yet. Just I'm gonna do bit. it. You got you, said I, you got, I got something special. I got some special. Add a little bit. Yeah, to just each. a little bit. Um, By a little I, bit, I just you know who much. NF is? The rapper, Christian rapper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so he has a song called Paralyzed. Yeah. Ever heard it? I have. It's good. Um, there's a law enforcement video on YouTube. Uh, I don't know the name of it, but it's called Paralyzed by NF. And then you can just look up like paralyzed by an F and uh, like cops or law enforcement or something. And there's a video. Videos like thumbnail has like a, a, a black logo with like a thin blue line through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows that. It shows uh, cops being in shootings. But then the body came afterwards where like they're just sobbing yeah. and crying because they just shot somebody. And it's like you watch on the news and you see the body cam of him shooting somebody. Mm-hmm. You don't see the five minutes later he's bawling his eyes out and screaming and he's yelling the f word and he's yelling all these things because he's just like i didn't want to do that like you can tell and you can see the human aspect of it and you can see the 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 split second decision that he had to make and that that he he made the right decision like the guy in the car was like there was one that stood out to me where um it was an officer that was on a traffic stop the guy in the driver's seat is like reaching for a gun, grabs it, and then points it at the officer, and the officer shoots him. And then two minutes later, he's behind the truck, just crying and screaming and like, like just sobbing because he just did that. And it's like, it shows the human aspect that you think that like cops are like, and it's the same thing with like, I don't know, because I haven't worked any military job or like, like any special operations, right? I would think it's the same where they're still humans. Like you look at Navy SEALs and you think, oh, they're just like these robots and they're like the most badass humans on the planet um, that can just go through and boot doors and shoot people and then that's it and they go home and it's their job. And same with the cops, like, oh, well, cops get in pursuits and they like tackle people and they get in shootings and that they're these robots that are just like so cool and they do these things. And it's like, no, they're human beings that have emotion and that do things that like, like, that hurt them and that 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 stick with them and that replay with them and they're 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 not that these robots like they're they're human beings that still that that still have families they still have wives they still yeah. have kids they still have an aspect to them that people just kind of forget almost yeah like i mean when i was in the military i was basically working military police i, I didn't get deployed i i worked on a this team that did some top secret missions, but it was all stateside stuff. So I, I never got deployed. Um, 
just did law enforcement on my base and security. And then like coming and doing like real law enforcement, like every day being sent to calls was just eye open. And I mean, I, I, I haven't luckily been in a position where I've had to pull the trigger, but I've been close. I, I could say I've been on calls where things are going one way with weapons in other people's hands where the trigger was being pulled, but not all the way. And then we're on the wall. gang compliance. And, You're just on the wall. And I mean, dude, that like taking a step back after that and like really like being pulled aside and having to talk to a supervisor or a B partner about like just the, the rush of like a, I mean, there's there's no equivalent to the rush of emotions that just come through, and and I can't imagine the the rush that comes through after having to stop the threat by shooting somebody, and, and whether they they unfortunately die from the encounter or not. Like, dude, it, it takes a toll, and people just don't. They just think that. I mean, I don't know what they think because I, I can only look at it from my perspective, and I'm like you, like, hey, they made the right call. Easy to say. Not easy to say when you're the guy because I've talked I've talked to guys and they're like, I don't know if I made the right call. Like, could I have done something else? I mean, they have all those questions, like how you had on your car saying, Could I have done something else? Could I have done something better? Could I have said something else? Yeah. The emotional side of their brain is spinning. Yeah. The logical side of their brain is like, there was a gun and I went home. That's what the logical side of their brain says, but the emotional side was like could I have just like done something different or could I have like maybe gone to the different side of the, like that their brain's going to start spinning in so many ways. That's like, could I have done something different? Yeah. It's like, it's like people kind of forget that. I th- at least I think people forget that we're like your neighbors. We're, <laughs> we sit yeah. next to you in church. We will pull up a seat next to you in a bar. We're, we're, you know, at the kids' soccer game with you, we're we're just the other person. The only difference is we willfully signed our names to a job to go out and make sure that the streets are are safe. And you know, most of us do it as best as we can. Um, I can't speak for everybody because clearly there's stuff in the news that it's saying the opposite. But I mean, there's for how many stories come up, they never bring up the thousands of good. Um, Cause there's so, there's so many guys out there that they're talking every day. Their hearts are just always in the right place. They want to do as much good as they can. Mm. Um, now I, I don't think people realize that sometimes it's not even up to us. If, if the calls handle I mean, we'll handle a call a certain way, but if it doesn't go that way with court in the court systems and stuff, it just it kind of all gets dumped onto law enforcement where there's so many pieces to the puzzle that it may not always be us, but we're going to do our job at the best that we can. Most yeah. people I work with are going to do the job the best that they can. Absolutely. And and there's other pieces along the way, but it just... Regardless we're of... We're the ones the that are in the light. We're the ones that are out there every day. We're the ones that everybody sees. So if if something doesn't go the way people would like it's law enforcement's fault even though they don't know that maybe the cops like this is the way i want it like it should go because based on everything that i saw and the way i wrote and you know the way my reports laid out um and something happens Mm -hmm. it's like we're easy to blame we take it we shoulder it we roll it off and we keep doing our job 
I just don't think there's a lot of humanization behind it because I just think people don't see it. They just see a badge and a gun. And then they see all the negatives that come with badges or guns that's constantly pumped down our throats visually from the news. Because mm-hmm. who wants, I mean, I shouldn't say who wants to, but not too many people are, are picking up the good, hearty stories, the feel-good stories, because they don't sell as much as, I believe they don't sell as much as fear and they don't. scariness. Because I'll tell you this, dude, during COVID, we were saying, what's your best experience? Like, I can't tell you, like, during COVID, I was out there working every day. And mask on, whatever was, whatever they were saying, we were working. Whether we agreed with it or not, we were on the streets, we went to work every day. And I didn't get to go home. I didn't get to do my job from a computer. I didn't get to be around my family through COVID. I was at, in a car every day, still having to make traffic stops, still having to stop people who were doing burglaries because they were pretending they had COVID and stealing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, domestic violence, everything. I was there every day I was at work, I showed up. Um, and I'd have parents as they came to gas stations with their little kids. Hey, that's a police officer. Like, he's doing a good thing. He's making us safe. And I would take every minute of my day to show that kid, like, like how, how cool we are, how nice we are. Because I'm like, he's the future. I don't want him to think I'm a bad guy. You know, he gets, I, I show him and his parents a patrol car, like, give him a sticker, let him know. Because I'm not out here to try to, like, I'm not out here to, you know, arrest people, arrest people wrongfully or hurt people. I'm out here to, to protect the innocent and, and protect my community and make sure people are safe. So, I mean, we'd have those contacts. We'd have people calling and say, hey, it's during COVID. I can't have a birthday for my son. I know you have police officers that work in the area. Would you mind just driving by our house with your lights and sirens on? Can't tell you how many birthdays we did, man. Where we just call me, hey, we're like down the street, we're coming. If you want to have them come onto the driveway, we have something special. And we would, you know, we'd get permission to bring like our bear car, our armored vehicle, some of our SWAT trucks, our bomb trucks, some of our um, other teams in the agency. We'd just do a roll by and just honk the horns, light the sirens, just to make people stay because they're part of our community. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, I know other agencies do that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Your guy, I know yours does. I know. Others around it and across the country, we see them all. Um, and that's that aspect to show, like, hey, we're 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 we're, we're here with you guys. Yeah. Like, we're we're here for you. We're here with you. Like, we're not like some big overseeing agency that just like powers over you. It's like, no, we're in the community with you. Like, yeah, which we're is here why, for you. Why I wanted to be more of a localized agency versus going into like a government agency. Oh, for sure. But before we take a turn into this, uh, you said you got something special. I don't know if I'd say special. You said special. I did not say special. I don't know if it's going to ruin whiskey forever for me, but I figured I'd try it. It's not going to ruin whiskey. It's going to upset a lot of whiskey lovers, though. Well, here Um, we go. But this is a Whiskey Wednesday show where people do want to know what we drink, which is... We had Woodford Woodford Reserve. Reserve. We had Woodford Reserve today, which is is good. Um, I like my whiskey neat most of the time. So for the whiskey lovers out there, I do love my whiskey neat. I'm a Four Roses single barrel guy. That's, that's my good. favorite. Yep. Um, that's my go-to. Uh, but if I'm wanting to make myself a drink with whiskey, my go-to is whiskey and Dr. Pepper. Um, All right. It's, it's, it's my go-to, and it's going to upset people. But honestly, I don't care. I enjoy it. I like my whiskey neat. I like to enjoy different types of whiskey. I like to enjoy 
my bourbon, but there's the times that I want to enjoy just my drink, and my drink is whiskey and bourbon. So All right. Well, you know, I brought or, the Woodford uh, Reserve. You said you brought Dr. Pepper. Pepper. I did. I'll try it. You'll try it? Yeah. All right. You're the guest, man. All right. Well, it's going to upset people, but like I said, I don't really care, so. Just try it. It's good. It's like uh, whiskey and Coke, but uh, or Jack and Coke, but I think it's better because Dr. Pepper is better than Well, Coke. I do like Dr. Pepper better than Coke, so maybe you'll gain fans that way. Dr. Pepper fans. Maybe. Maybe I'll gain the Dr. Pepper fans. You can hate it. That's okay if you don't like it. I'll drink it. It's okay. It's okay. You don't like it. I did it. like my plain whiskey, but okay. I do like Dr. Pepper, so that may keep me drinking this. <laughs> we may have just gone from the number one new show to the to the bottom, bottom because of this. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but we'll blame it on you. It's easy. You can blame it on me. Never um, invite me back. I do want to take a, a turn. Um, I don't want to go political we kind of like scratch service on that you know um we'll get our comments or whatever but i want to turn more into like mental health ways like you're two years on i've already seen your perspective changing like i could look back and see mine is there anything you're doing now to help you cope because if, if there are officers watching this, whether they're 20 years on or five minutes on, like I think this could be maybe an impactful moment. So you're talking about the an officer's mental health? Yeah, so what? like me, man, I'll tell you this, dude, this job, um, some things have stuck in my head, uh, mm-hmm. and I honestly didn't know how serious they were stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. I've seen some things. I don't know. Um. Dude, I've been to calls where it was like a guy called um, for uh, his buddy tried to commit suicide with a gun. And I rolled on the scene and this it's a mess. And the guy's trying to save his life. And I could clearly tell that he's not going to live. We do a little bit of um, care before fire shows up. Before fire even shows up, guy's pulp was gone. Nothing was bringing him back. And I interviewed um, the guy on scene. And after my interview, which was a long, long emotional interview with him, I walked back inside while detectives are doing their thing because it was with the firearm. Uh, I came out suicide with the firearm, so I had to call detectives. And I pulled the ID, and it was an old friend. And, I mean, that's something that people don't live with. And what I had to do next was, I, after the call was done, I had to clear it. I had to go on to the next call. And then I had to relive it when I wrote the report that night. Mm-hmm. And I have multiple calls. And people don't deal with that every day. Um, I had... That's uh, one of several, but what I was trying to say is that's one of several calls I, I've noticed that I've like held on to. It's like as I drive by that area, on or off duty, he always comes to mind. Um, and... Now that I, you know, it took me a while, but, you know. Did your sergeant know that you knew that person? Yeah, they all did. Like, I said it out loud. Like, what I thought came out of my mouth without knowing, and everybody, like, freaked out. Because I had just done this super long interview that they didn't want to make him relive the interview again with somebody else. 
because it was so traumatic for that guy because he was there. Now I'm having like an aftermath traumatic experience because I knew him and I said, don't re-interview him. I'll, I'll write my side of the report. And my sergeant was like, hey, that's all you're going to do, which was great. I mean, my, our, our office does a, a fairly good job of looking out for each other. And I mean, I can't say it's perfect because every agency, no. everybody's got flaws. There's they mistakes. do They do a good job. So I got pulled off of the primary and I just had to write what he told me, um, which wasn't, you know, I already had the recording and everything. And it was just like listen and, and type. But um, it's one of those things where, you know, I started going to therapy later on in my career. And when I say that, I mean like much later. And I wish... Like if I would have known what I was going to see and, and I have a, a buddy um, in the agency who is actually one of my training officers and it's like every couple of years, like I just go through like a year of like really hard calls. I'm like, man, I just can't think of anything else. I'm get, like, I could see that would surprise me. And he's years ahead of me and he's like, you'd be surprised like every time and every time he's right. Um, but if I just would have known like the hardships and the stuff I was going to see and, and kind of what I have to almost like pack up neatly and put my backpack of emotions so I can keep going with the job. I would have been in therapy from day one. Not because it, I don't think therapy is a bad thing. I think it's super helpful for just about anything. But even if I didn't have anything to talk about, I would be given tools to prepare me for what I was going to see. So I know the moment I saw it, I would know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, mental health-wise, that's what I'm asking. If if you've even looked into it, entertained it, if you're doing anything, and if not, then this is me telling you you should. You're telling me that I should. Uh, so I, I'm pretty lucky. I've got uh, uh, a entity of my family that um, has a nonprofit for law enforcement to where they help law enforcement in those situations and they help families in those situations. So those calls that like you'll come home and you're literally just sitting on your couch and you're just staring at the wall thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best thing, I don't know what it is about talking, but talking is huge. Like <clears throat> not just sitting and thinking and being like, it was fine, but like physically like going from the start of the call to the end of the call is helping you process through it is huge. Um, I mean, I can go from calls to where an officer dies to uh, getting shot at, to babies dying, to me holding somebody and they die, to... um, To happy call. to, To a happy call, to showing up in somebody's brains are on a driveway to like like literally like if you can think of it so far and you say that you'd be surprised i i I know i'm going to start seeing yeah things i've never seen before but at this point it's like like you said that like i think i've seen everything you could possibly see and it's like like that's kind of where i'm at at like almost a two-year mark is like i think i've seen a lot and i know i'm going to see more i know i'm going to see more that i'm like i didn't even think that was possible yeah and um, those calls, though, that you're, like, showing up on, you're, like, and you're thinking about, um, just talking is huge. It's yeah. huge. Like, uh, I don't know if my mental health uh, behavior in terms of, like, 
uh, how I handle those calls is the best or the answer. I don't know if anybody may have the answer to that. Um, but what I do is um, after like one of those heavy calls is, so having a support system at home is huge. Um, and not everybody's support system at home is the same. Um, you get like, for instance, so I have a wife um, and not all wives are the same. I know a good friend of mine, his wife is not the same as uh, my wife and my wife wants to know everything. My yeah. wife wants to know this. If I have a bad call, she wants to know every detail. Um, like regardless of how gruesome or how gory it is. Yeah, but you're lucky because your wife's like what, a daughter of a, of a law enforcement? Yes. So she wife's a daughter of law enforcement. So she grew up in Exposed for a long time. She's been exposed since she's been born. So uh, definitely lucky in that aspect. But then there's some support systems that they're like, I don't want to know anything. Like, And that's fine because secondary trauma is a thing. Like yeah. you tell somebody like, hey, this is what the call I went to and that person can be traumatized. So not to say that, hey, like my support system's better because like you can go home and have like a family that's like, I don't want to know anything. And that's fine because that can be traumatizing to them, but you need something. Yeah. You need to have somebody to talk to. So I'm lucky in the aspect that I can go home and like tell my wife like, hey, this happened today and this is what I'm thinking about. Like, and this is why I'm thinking what I'm thinking about. And just hearing them talk and helping you process through it is huge. If you're still thinking about it, like I can then go talk to my my other family members that um, are in that side of law enforcement with mental health. And I can be like, hey, this is what I'm going through. And with that call with that officer that ended up dying, that's probably the biggest one. Um, I was, I, I broke down for that. Like, yeah. And, oh, that, yeah. and that, that helped me process it because to this, this, this day, I can think about it. I can see his wife and it hurts, but like, I'm, I'm okay. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like oh, it, yeah. it definitely hurts and it's sad and, uh, but I've processed it Yeah, and I've moved on. Um, there's, there's so many, I, I, uh, another call, uh, uh, I've been shot at. Um, uh, you, we did, you show me the video. Yeah. We we're talking about that. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, that one got my brain spinning for sure. Cause, that, well, uh, cause I went home and the craziest part about it is the next day I was at uh, a family's house where I was, it was like a barbecue. Yeah. And I was just sitting there all day just staring straight ahead thinking of course about that like thinking about the sounds and where i was and well, uh what people i just want to lay this down a little bit because it wasn't like is when you say shot at like people you weren't in a hot call no it that. was from what you showed me if you're talking about the same no. incident like and that's what people need to understand is i think when you're in a situation where you know you're going to be in a fight mentally, you can prepare for that. 100%. Like, you know, like, okay, this guy, I mean, this could be from anything. I'm not talking from cops being in a fight. I'm talking anybody who, any guy who's like in the bar, in high school, somebody steps up to somebody and you know a fight's coming, you know you're, you just know you're, a punch you're is going to come or you're going to throw a punch. You're, you're gearing up for a fight. You're gearing up for a fight. In the video that uh, you were telling me about, you guys like had either just ended a call or rolled up to partner up with each other and had just gotten out of your cars and were having a casual conversation about the last call you had just handled and shots rang out and you were in like, you're almost like in your safe space where, okay, now it's time to vent about what we just went to real quick. 
to get it out of our heads, off our shoulders. We're not carrying this anymore. And the moment you start that and you think you're in a safe space, drive-by gunshots start ringing off and you guys start running. Yeah. Like everybody else, you were running. Like, where'd that come from? Which way are we going? And well, so we were at a bar. It was a, a disturbance at a bar. We go to the bar and I get there and my partners are like, hey, it's, there's nothing here. You guys can uh, like cancel the call. Like, it's fine. So we're like, all right. So we're just like talking outside of the bar, just hanging out. Um, and when we're outside of the bar, my partner saw his body cam on because he thought we were going to that call. And um, his body cam caught the whole thing. Yeah. And so uh, we're just talking outside of the bar. He forgot his body cam was on. We're just talking. And like six or seven shots pop off and you can hear them flying past us. You can hear the ricocheting off the asphalt right next to us. Um, and then like your first initial reaction is cover. Cause like, no, is cause the first well, reaction when you showed me that was, well, stood there and went, are we, are we getting shot at? No. First reaction is turning and looking at the gunshots and being like, is that gunshots? And then you hear the ricocheting and yeah, the it was whizzing. Yeah, like four shots before you guys moved. Yeah. And, and, and you hear the whizzing and the ricocheting and you're like, those are gunshots at us. So then you run to cover your guns drawn, those are your first initial reactions, and then um, you're sitting there processing, okay, what am I doing, what, what, what's gonna happen? And you're like, this is what I signed up for. So you hop in your car and you just, like go you to go towards the gunshots. Everybody's running the opposite direction and you're in your patrol car moving towards those gunshots. You're grabbing your rifle out of your car and you are just putting people at gunpoint in that area. And like that call sticks with me to this day too and it doesn't bother me at all, but that day I remember the next day after that call, I was just like in a in a daze for yeah. like a good day or two, like processing like how close were those gunshots? I mean, I like we were talking earlier that like like the I could have died yeah. like moment, like like that's a real one. That's a real moment. Yeah, for sure. and, and you know just so you and I have different terms, and since I've been caught in this saying the wrong, the right thing, but it being interpreted wrong. I want to make sure that people watching this know what you're saying. So you're saying you're putting everybody at gunpoint in that area. You're not really like shoving a gun in their face and yelling at them. But no. as people are running and you know where the shots are coming from, you're going towards a threat. You don't know who, so who is a good guy or who's a bad guy. So as they're coming, I mean, your rifle may be I don't out, wanna... but it's lower. And as people are coming, you're, you're ready to react. You're like, okay, move, move past me, move past me as you're moving to the shots. So, Yes, it's the gun in their direction, yeah, but you're not just like, you're a bad guy, get on the ground. Well, no, actually, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Like, the 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 um, the parking lot that the gunshots were coming from, we ran right towards that parking lot, and there were two dudes, hooded sweatshirts. So that's different. They were, I'm talking, like, people running away? No. You're going to people, two dudes who just standing there. Standing there in the parking lot where the gunshots are coming yeah. from, and we're putting them at gunpoint, prone so them out, and they weren't even related. But you don't know that. We don't know that in the moment. You don't know but that in the moment. That's where the shots came from. They hadn't left. They weren't running away. I'm no. talking the people who are running near. Running away. No, no. We weren't putting their guns up. No, no, but not the moment you roll up on somebody who's in like, the park potentially house. could be because that's where the shots came from. They're not leaving. They're just standing there staring at like looking at you. Yeah, absolutely. You don't know. We're, so people are running the opposite direction. We You're roll not putting... a lot on, on the unknown. We, we know to a point and then it's like. 100%. And those two guys that were in the parking lot where the gunshots came from weren't even related at all. And it's like. You, we, I mean, it was a big deal. Put them at gunpoint. We have cars with, uh, like, you know, ballistic shields rolling up, slowly rolling up on them, detain them, get them in handcuffs, search them. 
no guns in the area. And we're like, these guys aren't even related. Because Quest Empire related doesn't, hey, we're really sorry. Like, we will take a report. Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, we'll, we'll identify. This is what happened. This is why we do what we did. And they were cool about it. They're like, they understood because they were right there when the gunshots popped off too. So they heard them and they're like, oh, no, we totally get it. Like, it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, but you, you mentioned earlier, and I, I forget the call that you mentioned, but you said that like you had to go for that. I think it was the one with the one, the person that you knew that you had yeah. to go right to the next call. And this is where our sergeant had failed. So that just happened. And a sergeant rolls up, we tell him what happens. And not, not even 45 minutes later, we were in service responding to the next call. And I was just like, I was lit- I was driving my partner. It was an overtime shift. We picked yeah. an overtime shift, just helping out with like bars and stuff. And um, we're just driving away. Like we're just going to the next call. I yeah. guess like we just have to handle the next call. And that person you're on the next call with is screaming at you, yelling at you, and then or whatever what you just did. And they have no idea that you just got shot at, and you're still yeah. processing that. Like they have no idea. And I think that's a thing. People don't know like what you're bringing from home. They don't know if you just had an argument with your wife and you had to you had to go to work and now you have to turn off home and turn on work. Um, I, I mean, and vice versa. Yeah, and I don't. And, and then they don't know what the call you just had before. They don't know if it was like the baby that died in your arms or or, or the you know the brain on the matter on the ground or the horrific vehicle accident. They don't know what you're coming from and what you're still like subconsciously processing while you're figuring out the next call. I mean, and at the same time, I mean, I'm looking from the outside looking in, right? So I have a different perspective. And you say, you know, this is where I think my sergeant failed. We still don't know where he came from. No, absolutely. And, and, and absolutely. we don't know, maybe he was sitting there going, I don't know what else to do, but I need these guys to go back to work. And his answer was to go back to work where maybe there was a different answer, but he wasn't trained on that on the next step because 100% because like uh, what was difficult for us is like I don't know like two weeks prior there was an officer in our area that uh, responded to a call where a baby needed CPR yeah and he gave CPR on the baby and when he gave CPR on that baby um, baby ended up going to the hospital and like dying or mm-hmm. something and the officer was sent home that day didn't finish the rest of the shit yeah he had he got sent home just be like hey dude like you obviously Get out of here. you need to take the day to like chill because like that's a, a heavy call because your average person doesn't have to do CPR on a baby yeah um and as they should I think I think that's good for them for their mental health like to to go home to 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 chill out so they don't have to like because like if, if, if you have if you yet. exactly so if you have that call where you just did CPR on a baby and then you have to go to the next call you have to to carmelize it. You have to throw it away and put it in the back to go to the next one mm-hmm. because you can't be thinking about it on the next one because the next one could be uh, like a suspect's running or and you have to be at the the, the, the your A game and you have to go yeah. in the back and you have to like kind of push it back. So it's good to send an officer home after that because it's good for their mental health. But then the, the reason why I had said that that, that 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 sergeant had failed was like we had four of us that were right there just talking mm-hmm. and we all had to go to the next call and I, I i guarantee you that the next call was not handled probably not handled at the a game because yeah. you're thinking about what just happened um so and you're right that 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 sergeant might have had something at home or he wasn't 
trained how to send officers home or like or he he, handled, he's a new sergeant or or he just handled a, a crazy co- complaint or just got chewed out by a supervisor or something i mean and he just got chewed out by his supervisor and now he's thinking about that and it gives us it i just think that these things humanize the badge because we're human we make mistakes human. we're no no one was made to be perfect and if you read the bible it says he looked at us and he thought his creation was good he never god never used the word perfect, perfect. there's a reason for that good is like medium <laughs> yeah. yeah um i mean i you know i think the the example i like to give is is we're like a curtain, you know, law enforcement across the nation is like a curtain. People don't know what they don't see. They don't I know what's on the other side. law enforcement across the nation does a, a really good job in general of keeping like that curtain up and, and protecting society from the bad, but sometimes it slips through. And times oh, it slips through, it blows up, but they don't realize all the times that that were there, they don't realize what what we bear curtain's not to a solid be a wall. part of that curtain. Yeah, it's not a solid wall. There's gaps in the curtains. Yeah, you can slip through a curtain. You can go underneath. You can yeah. go in between. You can go around. You get close enough, you can usually look through a curtain. I mean, it's not like you a You get close enough, you can push right through curtain. it. It's like you, you could look through it. I think that's a good example. I think it's good because it's like it blocks it and it blinds it from the other side mm-hmm. and you can't see the other side, um, but it's not perfect and it's not a solid wall and it will there will be things that leak through there and, will be and if people want to defund it i don't think they'll they'll understand there'll be half a curtain um, when the curtain gets pulled down what what comes what's behind the curtain there'll be half a curtain and it's funny it's like you know following the minneapolis story a while ago and they defund they, they moved and disbanded the minneapolis pd and then scrambled to get people back um it's dangerous because it showed that the guys who were putting who who were putting up with it and doing it for so long, who finally, when they were told it's no more, and left and went to other agencies and they were doing higher backs, they didn't want to come back. No. So it's like, you know, and then the we new hires have don't a problem. I mean, there's a problem. If society says there's a problem and we work for society, then there's a problem, right? So getting rid of it's not the answer. So what do we do to fix it? So instead of looking at it as black and white, we got to get rid of it and defund it. Well, why don't we just look at how do we fix it? Because there's a lot of really good people that work inside of law enforcement. Absolutely. I'd say, I'd, I'd say likely 99% of the people that wake up every morning to do it, do it for the right reasons. So let's not get rid of the ones that want to do it for the right reasons, because what if the majority of them don't want to come back? And now you have people that are just like, oh, it's a job and it pays pretty well. Now we have a bigger problem. Well, so we have this this we have this problem. Let's look at third party uninvolved. How do we fix this? Like cops have to do. We go in. Somebody says one thing. They say the other. We have to come up with a solution. Why don't we come up with a better solution than you know picking one side or the other and defunding it or or doing what this side says and and, and find one that that seems to help both sides. And guess what? It's not going to be perfect. No choice is perfect because it's going to come from people. So I don't look at any choices. This is going to be the perfect choice, but it's it's a choice and, and a decision. We can try it. And, and it may be evolving and living in, in something that law enforcement maybe like normally does. It just changes as 
as new laws change, as new laws come into effect, we operate differently. I don't know many jobs where on a daily basis you may be getting handed, hey, this just came out from uh, this circuit court or this just came out from the Supreme Court or this law is coming into effect, so we need to prepare for it. And on a daily, monthly, or yearly basis, we are working through new problems, new laws. To we, we have to be ready to either enforce differently, enforce stricter, whatever it is. I don't think people, I, I don't know from my friends that work in business, they go to work and they're like, oh my gosh, dude, it's changing every day on how strict their policies are, where it's, I feel like what we go through, I mean, may not be daily, but it feels like it's just constant. This is changing. This is changing. Be prepared for this. Like, and we just go with it. We'll learn to adapt and we overcome it and we keep moving and we keep doing the best that we can. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So backtracking quite a bit, actually. Um, we don't do that on the show. Or we're going to backtrack a little bit. So on the very first question you asked about the, uh, um, my perspective. Yeah. Of, of the difference um, between like when I first used society versus like now. It's something I think about even on my days off is like, and we can ask each other this right now is, what do you think the average person thinks law enforcement does on an average day? Like just a normal person who has like a normal nine to five, has weekends off. What do you think that they think law enforcement does on an right. average day? Well, the news tells me that the average person thinks that we're just out to take everybody to jail, innocent or guilty. Um, my friends and family that aren't cops think that we're actually out there to just, you know, protect them from the really bad. And I, I don't know where the split is on that percentage. I don't know if it's 50-50. I don't, I, I could tell you, I don't believe it's 50-50, but I don't know where the split is. Because I think that they have no idea. They just like there's just that they're guessing. They have no idea. Oh, probably which is a problem. Like regardless of the the jurisdiction that you work in, I don't think that that jurisdiction knows what their officers do on a daily basis. And like whether that be the gun arrests, the foot pursuits, the vehicle pursuits, the 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 rape calls, the stabbings, the shootings. The roommate disputes, the um, civil disputes, civil disputes trespass, every trespassing, burglaries, and and the difference between the shifts, between day shift to swing shift yeah. to graves, is world's difference of calls. The day shift officers deal with the trespassing. The swing shift officers deal with the the people that come home from work and they're drinking and they're now fighting. And then the grave officers are out there and they're getting into like the people that are on the road at 3, 4 a.m. that are not your average citizen. Yeah. And it's like, there's so much different types of law enforcement that I don't think, like, and the reason why I think this is because I didn't know this. When my perspective of the world and of law enforcement prior to law enforcement is 180 degrees yeah. compared to now. Like, completely different. And I, like, like when, when, when I was, you know, and it's obviously as a, a, a 20 year old, 21 year old, 22 year old, 23 year old working. And then somebody who was uh, respective of law enforcement, what they did, I still had no idea what they did. Um, I, my view of the world and of law enforcement is completely different as to now. And 
I, I think that's, I don't think that as a 23 year old, my view of law enforcement is much different than of a 40 year old or a 45 year old of law enforcement that has never worked it or doesn't understand it. Cause like that wouldn't change much. Yeah. All you really know about law enforcement is what you see on the news. On the news. Like, that's you, that's like all you watch. know. That's all you know. That's all you watch. And even like watching cops, like watching cops is not law enforcement. Dude, cops is the highlights of law enforcement. It's, it is. And it's not law enforcement at all. And it's like, like there's just so much that happens that you literally have no idea that like, Dude, like cops shows the pursuits and the, the, the foot pursuits. It doesn't show the gun arrest. It doesn't show. Oh, hold on. I'll, people don't understand how boring our job can be. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank how you. maybe we could go for a 12 hour shift with only maybe three calls or how we can do like, you know, four hours of work and then have 18 hours of paperwork to do afterwards. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't know how, like literally how we maybe spend a whole day sitting in court because it keeps getting continued or they keep putting, you know, easier, quicker cases in front of it. And then you get moved to the afternoon. And then by the time you're done with your whole shift, they're like, we're going to do this tomorrow. And you're like, I'm bored. You were graveyard all night. And then you have to go to court this morning. Like me last yeah. night, I worked all last night and then I had to go to court in the morning. And the court that I went to was a motion to suppress. So the defense attorney was trying to suppress my traffic stop saying my traffic stop was illegal. Yeah. Uh, which, and that's something that you have to worry about. Like you're sitting there in court and you're like, what well, is my traffic stop illegal? And then you're like looking at the law, you're reading the law verbatim and you're looking at your body cam, you're looking at your car camera, you're looking at your report. You're like, no, I'm good. Like, yeah. and you talk with a DA and you're like, no, I'm good. But that's just more stress added to the job. More stress that like you don't normally have to do. It's deal like with. a presentation on your report. Literally you done. You go up there and you got to... Def, like and Def, I don't really say it's to defend because you're just stating facts. You're just stating facts. You're not but defending. You're just like this is what it's I did. crazy. The questions you get asked up there that you have to be like, what? And you just go off of your report. Um, I had a defense attorney once drill me for what the weather was a year ago. Um, I was on the stand and dude, the I don't. I'm not gonna stop. I don't think I could do Dr. Pepper in this again. Okay, that's fine. the weather. <laughs> so. Oh God, it's so good. You should definitely try it. You're like, a liar. <laughs> you know what? You have every right to not like it. Justin's losing his mind because I keep dropping this microphone. <laughs> I, Sorry, the I, weather a year ago? Yeah, no, I got drilled by a defense attorney for uh, the weather a year ago. They're like, Oscar, do you remember what uh, the weather was that day? And I was like, uh... I don't recall because I I read my report. I was like, this is what I responded to. I watched my body cam. But when I watched my body cam, we we're like inside. So I was like, I just, I, I don't remember what, if it was sunny or cloudy. And the defense was arguing that my recollection was faulty because I didn't even remember what the weather was that day. Dude, an entire year ago. Farmer's Almanac, man. Come on. I just, I, it's like, crazy what they like, like link on to. Yeah, like what you're saying. You said that the, the questions that they ask you on the stand, and you're like, I just need a little like a taste of real whiskey to wash out the yeah. Dr. Pepper. Sorry, I'm not drinking to get drunk. I just need to wash <laughs> that delicious taste you shared with Pepper, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, it's crazy what they link on to and like drill you for, it, and you're you're sitting there like reading your reports here and you're just putting yourself back into the driver's seat of the call and then they like well, curveball you're like 
Why, what? Why does it matter what the weather was? But you don't get to ask that question. <laughs> you don't, you're like, not allowed to ask. You have to answer the question. Just to like, throw you off. And it's weird. Um, answer the question. Which is crazy, too, because like uh, when I was at court this morning, um, the, uh, the you have to meet at a certain department. And when you meet outside that department, there's like multiple officers from your agency there. And I saw uh, a guy from my class, my kind of class that was there. And we're talking about how many times we've testified. Uh, he's testified a couple of times, and I can't even tell you how many times he testified. Like, oh yeah, some agencies you're, you you could be up all the time. Some it's he's from the same agency. Really, he's from the same agency, and Dang. he's testified a couple of times, and I can't even tell you. I don't have that means you write a really bad report. Is that is that what it is? I've heard it could be either really bad or really good. That yeah, either one of the two. It's either you write really bad reports, and the we'll DA lean, needs you to testify. We'll lean towards it's really good, or. You write really good reports, and they're prosecuting it. <laughs> so this is the level. It's so bad that they're dropping everything, or it's bad, and you have to testify. And you need to talk or about it. it's good, and, and they just want to add a little bit to it, undo it, because, like, I think we have a little bit more here that the officer didn't see. Or it's so good, you never testify. And you never know where you are because you're not getting called in because it's so good. You could be the guy <laughs> that's so bad not. they're not calling. <laughs> yeah. Or you could be getting exactly. called in because you think you're really good and they want to add more, or you're the guy that's just not good. I think so, I think it's random. Yeah. I think it's random. It's too, yeah. That's when it's not the cops. I don't think the, the DA has the time to really look into how good it is or not. They they're just so are like, busy. they're, they're so, so busy, busy, they're just picking up I mean, the report. I could say, like, I would probably say on average three, three four reports a shift. Per person, right? And you're probably doing the same. See, that's what's crazy is like the the shift that I'm working is in a really busy area. We were just talking about this. We were talking about how you can have literally three calls in that shift, or you could just be slammed with paper. Uh -huh. And the area that I'm working right now, uh, it's the busiest area and the highest crime area of the city that we're in. And I could have nothing, like no calls, and it's just quiet, or it's just... There's a stab, I, I get off at 7 a.m. and there's a stabbing at 6.30. Like 6.30 in the yeah. morning, there's a stabbing. And, and you're, you're like, what? You're, you're just at work. <laughs> Who stabs somebody at 6.30 a.m.? <laughs> Who stabs How are you doing this? <laughs> so, and and at that point, you're already, you know, four or five reports deep. And then you got this yeah. on top of it. And just think like, it's not just you. It's like it, if you have good beat partners, that's all of you are pulling like two, three, four, five, a shift. Because they're all going to the DAs, and then they don't have an unlimited amount of DAs, and then they're no. looking at, you know, which ones look legit, which ones don't. Which is then why, like, why we harp so hard on writing a good report, and then they look at, you know, and the DAs based on whatever the they judge off of, and then they go to the next level. It's crazy, and that's man. just that specific area of that city that I live in or work in, and then you've got, you know, within that specific city and that specific district, you said two or three reports per person. Yeah. But that's not just, that's just my, my district and my beat. Oh yeah. Versus the entire city exactly. versus the entire county. You've got different cities in that county and that DA has to pull what? All of them. 50, 60 reports from that night and choose which ones they want to prosecute. It's crazy. It is. It's, it's a lot of work. It's insane. Um, and they're severely underpaid. Another way I bet you've changed and I can probably ask you a simple question. I know the answer, but it, if you walk into a restaurant and it's open seating, where are you going to pick to sit? Are you asking, like, as a cop? Or are you gonna no, pick as to... you, like now. Right now, where yeah. am I going to pick to where sit? Where are you going to sit? Up against the wall watching the front door. Yeah, where did you sit two years ago? Up against the wall watching the front door. 
Would you or would you have picked the spot where you could see the TV better to watch the sports? It that's tough because it depends on what like if there's a game that I want to watch, I'm watching the game for sure. Yeah, but uh, but now two years I ago? would I would choose I would I would choose watching the front door rather than watching. Two years ago, you would have you would have been torn between sitting against a wall, watching the front door, watching the game. And now, now it's you not know it's not even a question. It's not even a question. Why? Yeah. Why do you have to watch the door? Uh, just the the amount of calls that I've been to that that situation has happened at. Because you want to be ready. Like nobody, dude. I'm just, all I'm trying to do is is not like single you out. That's all of us, uh, military guys, cops. Like we pick a spot where we know that nobody can come up behind me. The threat has to come from the front. Like I can defend what I can see. I don't have to worry about my back now because it's a solid wall and everything's in front of you. Yep. I'll bring this a wall. Nobody else does, dude. And I'm not going to lie. Like I've been out on an injury for a little while. And if I get a chance to go out for food with my wife, I still pick the wall, you know, and I like to sit where I sit. I mean, I've been there for so Absolutely. long. Absolutely. I don't watch the front door. I naturally pick where I want to sit because I get really uncomfortable if I pick another seat. But I watch, instead of the front door, I watch other people. And I'm just like, all I think about when, like, if my wife has to get up while she's ordering it and we're not in a conversation and I can think about anything else, I'm usually like, what are they, like, they don't even consider the possibility that somebody could come through the store with a gun. They don't nope. consider the possibility this place could get robbed. They don't consider the possibility that, like, uh, a deranged ex can come in after their ex and start a fight that, you know. And pull out a knife. Yeah. And now we're all affected or a gun or something. And we all become affected by that. Uh, and that's, I can't not think about that. And those calls that you go to in the jurisdiction that you work in happen Often, I don't want to say happen all the time, but they happen often enough to where you're like, I I want to sit up against the wall and watch the front door because you're like, you go to those calls where you're at a random restaurant and like you said, it gets robbed. You're at a random gas station, it gets robbed. You're at a random restaurant and an ex comes in with a weapon and they're yeah. like, or whatever. Imagine whatever. anything. Yeah, anything. I imagine the crazy what my wife would probably think is the craziest things because I've been to them and I'm like that could come to the front door. Mm-hmm. She's Absolutely. like, and I'm like, I want to make sure you're protected because I, I love you. I want to make sure that, you know, the peop- the innocent people here are protected. Even the one who, if somebody's coming after a person that maybe I can stand in between or, or whatever. But Absolutely. It's, I look around and I just see the faces of the people around who have picked to sit like right in the middle of a restaurant. And they're laughing and joking like they don't think about that at all. They're here to have a good time. They're here to enjoy. And sometimes, look at that, I'm like, it kind of sucks because I only get people, and you know, the everyday person doesn't see this. I only get to enjoy my outings to a point because a part of me is there with my wife enjoying dinner and a part of me is preparing for the worst case scenario to come through the door. Mm-hmm. So I'm never 100% in any moment with my wife with my family enjoying anything. I get uncomfortable sitting in the middle of a movie theater. Oh my God. I get uncomfortable going to- Gotta be the next one aisle. I get uncomfortable going to a park. I get uncomfortable doing family outings at like Disneyland, any big like theme park. 
my head's always turning. As much as I want to turn it off, I can't. And what's worse is the moment I see the one thing where I'm like, I would have picked that up on patrol, I'm done. I'm following that just person or that incident the whole time. Zero I'm tracking in. it because I'm like, if anything's going to happen, that I just from my experience, this is like the type of I'm, I'm not like profiling race or anything. It's just like no. criminal profile. They've it's done criminal. something like usually it's a trigger. One time it was just the way an argument occurred between a couple, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's going to turn. That's going to turn sideways or. Um, uh, the way somebody like, you know, did something that reminded me of a call I was on. I was like, that's where it's coming from right there. That's the, that's my number one threat that I know of right now. That's, that's gotten where, where I'm worried about everything else that is going to take a little bit extra worries. So I'm going to check everything else, but always go back to this, check yep. everything else and go back to this. And sometimes, man, my wife, I have like, like dish out a few sentences to me and I'm like, doing my know. like scan like to make sure okay and i'm and she'll be like are you gonna answer me like i didn't even know you're talking what'd you say <laughs> yeah well don't talk to me i'm I've, busy can't you, you ever i'm you at ta- work with the family you ever talked to a firefighter about like their threats fire yeah no that's their threat fire <laughs> no so <laughs> i'm just kidding man it's hard to talk about heroes dude when you do the hero work yeah just kidding the second responders have you ever yeah. talked to a second responder about yeah. their uh um, the first to arrive, second to go in. I yeah, absolutely, guys. absolutely. First I'll to arrive, firefighters all the time. You get there and you pass them. Like, were they sleeping? I thought they were. Yeah. I think they're sleeping in their car. <laughs> oh man, fourteen of you showed up for this guy having an issue, but you called for one, one. police officer. Here, so one guy. You guys can come in now. You guys can come in now. All fourteen of you, you can come in now. It's fine. The guy I'll with dog the gun. Firefighters. All it's time. fine. It's safe. America's I'm heroes, I'm man. I'm here. It's safe. Just kidding. We love so, you guys. We need you as much as you need us. It's just <laughs> our fun little rivalry. No. So uh, our department did a joint training with the fire department uh, for a, um, an active shooter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We're like, you respond to an active shooter, police run in. Our city's fire department is really good about not staging for that situation. That's perfect. And running in with you. Um, so, which is cool. Um, but what we were talking about after like the training was like done and stuff, we were talking about like, uh, I don't even remember how the conversation got brought up, but we're talking about that, how a cop walks into a room and he scans the room for people. He's like, who's the threat in this room? Like you just scan it and you're like, oh, that's interesting. That stands out to me. Yeah. Whatever that is. Like, and that's everywhere you go. That looks like, it looks like somebody you've had negative contacts with. Yeah. It looks like, it it looks like somebody that has been in the back of your patrol car before. And you're like, that's interesting to me. I need to keep an eye on that. And that's just something that cops do. No matter what agency you work at or wherever you're at, that's just on your day off, your grocery shopping, you're at a, a restaurant, you just scan the room. You're like, okay, I'm lasered on that person or yeah. that couple or that situation. Um, firefighter scans the room and looks at the building for its structural um, like like issues. So a firefighter, like this firefighter I was talking to was saying that like when he scans the room, he looks at, okay, that's the safest room in the stand that this building like collapsed right now. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not even something I think about. Like I get into a room and I'm like standing in the middle of the room and I'm looking at, or I'm standing up against a wall and that wall that I'm standing up against is not the safest part or whatever. And it's like, and I'm scanning the room for people with the firefighters looking at what's the safest part of this building, not people wise, but if this building collapsed. And it's like, yeah. that's not even something I think about, which is crazy. They're also 
looking for the one person that really wants to know that they're a firefighter. Yeah. <laughs> so they can go tell them. Well, they don't need to because they're already wearing their firefighter shirt. Yeah, it was on their license plates and the stickers <laughs> yeah. on their car. And everybody loves them. They're wearing the firefighter they're shirt. Like, hey, fire extinguishers. Yeah. Did you know I'm a firefighter? They've got if the booth. If you joke on something, I can save your life. Can you imagine if we... This guy, he's a cop. He can't do anything. Can you imagine if we stood in a median with our boot out asking for money? Yeah. No. I would our never do boot? that. I couldn't do that. <laughs> please. I hate the guys please. that call me already. They're like, we're a part of the uh, like, police, law enforcement. Like, you drive by, you're like, was that a transient or a firefighter? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the same, but... Those guys that call already and they're like, hey, we want to know if you don't need to like protect our officers. And I'm always like, I am one of them. Like, quit calling me, man. This is the fifth phone call this month. We're not this needy. I know that. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, I love dogging on firefighters. Oh, and so they, they dog on us too, which is, it's, it's the friendly banter. Yeah. It's like, you don't get, it's like in the military. You don't get to make fun of the other branches unless you've been in because it's a, it's a brotherhood. Mm -hmm. I look at firefighters. I mean, the guys that I've worked with in fire are awesome. Being on the SWAT team, we have a handful with us because, I mean, if we go through the door and it's bad, we need them to help us. And, you know, if it ends poorly for the suspect, we have them right there to start doing treatment. So we, we engage in treatment right away. We're taught to a point and then they come on and take over for us. And then we can get a suspect out and get them treatment because, um, I mean... Going back to kind of what you said, like, people don't know what we do. We don't go around, even if it's like a tactical team, to kill somebody. We're we're taught to, it's worded to stop a threat because that's what stop we're supposed to do. And it, that could be different for every single threat. Um, but the moment that we stop it, we're also tr now, I mean, it, it's one of those steps we took um, because it wasn't always like this. Um, but... We harp hard on if you get into this situation where you've pulled the trigger and, and now everything is safe and the person's down, we, we're going to start care. Someone's got to start care. And we do a good job in our trainings to do that. We do a good job with our, our fire guys on our team to do that. And so, like, I, as much as I dog on them, there's so many times I'm like, dude, I'm so glad you guys are here. I can't tell you how many accidents I've been on. I'm like, I'm literally about to do CPR medical aid on this guy. And he just... His like one that comes to mind is I had a trainee. We roll up on this accident, dude, uh, going fifty on a fifty fifty five mile an hour road. Deer comes out and he's on the Harley, hits it, flips off of his bike. It's a deer on a Harley. Yep, and he oh just goes God. just head over handlebars, boom boom, bikes all the way over on one side, and he's like, we do we just lights on, pull over, block the whole road, and he's just yelling, he can't feel his legs, he can't feel his legs, and my um trainees got former military experience we grabbed the med bag which we're like we don't know what we're really going to do with this but we want to have everything out that we have medically in case we need it stabilize his head and we're both like okay i guess we're about to like render aid and and we're not the best of this like okay you're breathing we're doing all this and as we're kind of like i hope we're doing it right fire shows up and i'm like oh god yeah absolutely holy no, cow for sure and the same time dude i rolled up on somewhere that it's like the the captain's outside, and he's like, hey, we came to this call. It was like a nothing call. Husband or wife said this, and I just got a weird thing. Dude, something's going on in there, and I rolled in, started talking to people. Come on. I'm like, hey, good call, and I call in for backup, and like, dude, something's going on. Where they pick it up, and they call us, and I'm like, 
as much as we dog each other, we work together, and it's one of those things where I'm like, you don't get to make fun of firefighters. No. You don't get to make fun of cops unless you've been one of us. Unless you've been one. Yeah, like, I I was working uh, uh, in an area of our city where uh, my partner and I were just parked outside, and we saw this black smoke. I'm like, that's weird. And then all of a sudden, you hear all the fire engines, and we get out there, and we're helping them do traffic control and stuff. But watching this, this it was a, it was an important building in our city that was just engulfed completely. Yeah. And we just on viewed it. And when fire responded, watching them like work was it's crazy. It was fascinating. It was it's like fire, fascinating. Go to work when hard. it's when it's a legit fire and they're going to work. They're moving and they've like their their training's kicking in. And it's like this is cool to watch. Like watching yeah. them work is cool. I I was on an accident once where a vehicle rolled over and there was four juveniles trapped in the car. They all ended up uh, getting brain dead, which was super oh. sad. But uh, when I rolled up, me and my partner rolled up first, that was a that was one of the ones that sticks with me because you just have like four kids inside this car. None of them yeah. were licensed. They're all like 14, 15. They were just joyriding in this car, car flipped, like wrapped around a tree. And we get there and we're trying to like help them. But the car is crushed. Windows are crushed, like completely. So you can't pull them. Yeah. Couldn't pull them out. Like there's nothing. So you're just listening to scream and fire comes up and they've got like the jaws of life and they're peeling the car open and just watching fire work is like it's fascinating like you can make fun of them and like we can make fun of each other we make fun of fire 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 makes fun of us but like and i know fire probably thinks the same thing about us when we roll up on certain calls they're like yeah. that's cool to watch like how cops work and like same thing with fire is watching them work is like that's that's cool to watch how fire works we need us as much as we need each they other need us, yeah yeah we we need um, them as much as they need us for sure yeah they're in the same boat with the scene traumatic stuff and, and you know going back to the very beginning I know your perspective of life is changing, your perspective of your job's changing, your perspective of what you once knew and what you're learning to know now is changing and it's gonna to continue to change. There's other people that are in that same boat. There's people that are ahead of you, people that are behind you, that are all have all gone through it or are going through it. Even though your family, you have that, the, the member in your family that has helped, I always encourage and I'll encourage anybody who's watching, like, just just start. Go through the therapy. Your agency will pay for it. Your insurance pays for it. You get your sessions. A good agency, a good insurance company is going to pay for it to make sure that you're mentally ready and sharp to go out on the street to help unpack the stuff you fit in your bag. I go through it. dude. I just ha I had a buddy. How often do you go? Uh, I try to go once a month. Okay. Uh, if I can go get two in a month, I take it. Um, but it's also is that an insurance thing or is that just like a time thing? No, it, it's it's not insurance or time. It, it's more of a time thing, but it's not necessarily my time. So it's, insurance could pay for more if they wanted to. Yeah, okay. and you everybody has their own own insurance that that has their own like rules on on each one right. on on how many sessions you get and for for what instance and whatever it is. But it's not necessarily my time. It's also got to do with my therapist time because I see a therapist that specifically sees first responders, mainly law enforcement officers. And if her schedule gets super busy, then I have to push it out a little bit farther. So if it's open, I take it. If she doesn't have an open schedule, I'd usually do once a month. Super helpful. I had a buddy lose the battle to depression. So I'm super big on the earlier you can start in this to help you not get to that point, the better. So even though you have that family, I encourage you to, from my, you know, being 
six years ahead or whatever I am, eight years, six to eight years ahead of you, I would say just find it. Are you doing the right thing with your wife talking to her? You got the family member you talk to. I'd add just one more thing because it's like looking for financial advice, right? You're going to have your dad that does one thing, your family that does something else. But there's that, always that one guy that's like, dude, I do this for a living. If you come to me, I will get you set on track, right? Mm-hmm. Like these people do it for a living. The calls we've seen, they've heard thousands of times because they talk to every single first responder if you get the right one. So I always encourage you, encourage you if you are feeling that, go through it. Don't get to the point where it just feels like the only way out is, is to end it all because the wake you leave behind is, is a massive ripple effect. Um, Absolutely. Look into it. Agencies usually provide it. But Christian, thanks for being here. Great stories. I think you're on an awesome track with your law enforcement career. Excited to see where you go with it. And who knows, maybe I'll get off my injury sometime soon. Thanks, dude. Cheers. Cheers.